Uh, yeah, Ramsey, what do you, what do you think the uh, purpose of these raids were, or these bombing attacks on Iraq were? It's hard to hear you. Uh, what what was the purpose of these uh, attacks? What do you think? Well, the immediate purpose of the attacks on Iraq were to deflect attention from the impeachment proceedings to make Bill Clinton seem presidential as if he were doing his duty. The attacks are criminal, but not so genocidal as the sanctions, uh, which have to be removed. Do you see any chance of that being uh, ha that happening, the sanctions? I think there's a lot of anger in the Security Council and uh, around the world that um, the cavalier attitude of the United States. Pentagon now saying, well, we may have to bomb them every several months, which is like, uh, talk about serial murder. <laughs> the, uh, the idea that their military targets there is absurd. What they're doing is just terrorizing the people and uh, seeming uh, to be strong. And their ultimate goal is to justify this huge military presence in the Gulf, which they intend to maintain for the next quarter of a century. When people used to say that politics stops at the water's edge, but in this case it seemed like the U.S. wasn't, you know, the Republicans didn't support this bombing. Or some of them didn't, I guess. Well, sadly, the Republicans actually support the bombing um, at least as much, if not more, than the Democrats. And that's the most important lesson to the American people. There's no difference between our political parties. They both support these huge military budgets, $275 billion, and these well, homeless, children with uh, rotting school systems, and elderly without uh, secure Social Security, and tens of millions without medical care, because we have this crazy uh, militarism rampant in our society. The Republicans simply resented um, President Clinton using his office um, to detract from the impeachment proceedings. The irony is that there, there was no constitutional basis uh, for impeachment on the grounds that were presented, but uh, right. his bombing of Iraq is uh, about as clear ground for impeachment as you could find if it's not high crime and misdemeanor to send Tomahawk cruise missiles uh, into a country like Iraq to kill its people. I don't know what is. Because uh, there was no act of war. I mean, no resolution of war, right? I mean, the Congress didn't not vote. Not only Congress can <coughs> declare war, but no one seems to care anymore. We just attack right. when we want to. We'll attack <coughs> the Sudan. First, we'll call them a viper's nest of terrorists, the whole people. And then we'll send um, 23 missiles to destroy their major pharmaceutical plant that produces 50% of all the medicines available for the people of uh, the Sudan. And we call it um, <coughs> peace. You know, the media always says that no Americans or, or the British were not killed, but they never talk about uh, Iraqi casualties. No, they don't um, care, and they've controlled the media, or the media control them to 
you know, which sides up to <clears throat> make the American people not care. I mean, you've got polls, which I don't believe, showing that uh, 60 to 70 percent approved the bombing and wanted more. Right. That's really mindless violence, you know. Yeah, yeah. So what can people do about it? Well, people are going to either be helpless because they feel helpless, or they're going to stand up and uh, demand that their government, because we're responsible for its acts, uh, demilitarize, slice the military budget, end the sanctions against Iraq, which are genocide, which killed a million and a half people. That's uh, a genocide exceeding that of um, against the Native Americans wow. in any comparable time frame. Uh, and um, control our agents so they don't become, um, or so they stop being the great terrorists on the planet that uh, we presently are. Yeah, really. Well, thank you very much. Okay, good to hear yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Have a Bye. good break. Bye-bye. Uh, that was an uh, interview earlier we did, that we did earlier today with uh, Ramsey Clark, the former U.S. Attorney General, who is leading a delegation to Iraq. With us on the phone is uh, uh, is a mod is a coordinator of the Iraq Action Coalition. Uh, can Rania? Yes. Can you hear? Yes. Good evening. Oh, great. Let me turn you up. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, thank you for um, for being on the show. Uh, can you talk louder? Yes, definitely. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about this um, bombing this uh, last week? Uh, why do you think the U.S. did it? Well, I honestly don't know why, because there is no reason that, that can justify such a bombing, none whatsoever. The United States administration has said that they're bombing because of noncompliance. And yet there's two points to that. There were 423 inspections that were conducted unconditionally and unfettered in Iraq in the past few weeks. It was only five inspections that were conducted with, with what uh, Richard Butler had some problems, five out of 423. In addition to that, the International Energy Atomic um, Association had submitted a report prior to Richard Butler's report to the Security Council saying that the Iraqi government had, uh, had cooperated unconditionally. So this point of non-compliance, I believe, does not hold. The point about weapons of mass destruction, again, we can simply look upon what the weapons inspectors themselves have been saying. And these weapons inspectors themselves, the inspectors, not Richard Butler, said very clearly that by 1995, they had destroyed all of Iraq's nuclear, biological, and chemical facilities. So it's not for these reasons. If they were bombing just to save face because they said they were going to and, and their armies there and they need to, then that's not a reason and that that's absolutely no justification. I, I can't understand it unless they're doing it for ulterior political, political motivation, which of course they are. So you think it really had to do with the impeachment? Well, honestly, no. Honestly, I do not think it, it had to do with the impeachment per se. I think that the U.S. administration would have bombed. You know, the, the timing may, may have been influenced by the impeachment, but the act itself, 
I do not believe has been influenced by the impeachment. I believe this is in line with the U.S. administration's policies towards Iraq over the past eight years. It has been a policy of um, the most comprehensive sanctions in human history, sanctions that, according to the United Nations, are killing 250 people every day. And the U.S. administration has been supporting these sanctions. And for the past eight years, they have been sporadically bombing Iraqi cities and terrorizing the Iraqi citizens. How many children are being killed uh, every day? Um, approximately 150 children. Now, if I were to go um, to Iraq and shoot 150 children in the head every single day, I would be accused of being a terrorist, a madwoman, um, you know, a war criminal, and so on and so forth. And yet, if I do it under the guise of the sanctions, and I know full well what I'm doing, then all of a sudden it becomes okay. And it shouldn't be no more justifiable to do it in the form of sanctions than it should be to do it in the form of, of straight-off uh, military violence. Both procedures lead to the same result. You know, um, we're still having a little bit technical problems. Can you speak? Are you speaking on a speakerphone? Or no, no? I, I'm speaking on a regular phone. I'll try just to speak louder into the phone. I'm sorry okay. about that. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's not picking very much up. Because uh, we, you know, we're now on the web now, and if it doesn't pick up very well, it doesn't broadcast on the web, actually. Um, what is the Iran ac Iraq Action Coalition uh, doing? Uh, are they are they planning demonstrations? Are you uh, are you planning demonstrations? Well, the Iraq Action Coalition is primarily an informational network. I see. Here to present information to to the people, primarily because the mainstream U.S. media has has been doing such an excellent job at hiding the truth. Right. So for people who really want to know what's going on, one of the sites they can access is the Iraq Action Coalition site. In addition to that, we do help in the coordination of activities nationwide and worldwide in protest to the continuing eight-year war against the people of Iraq. So this trip that Ramsey Clark is planning, uh, what, what would that accomplish? Well, the, the trip that Clark is, is planning is one of many that, that have been done, both by Ramsey Clark and by other U.S. delegations, and it's to accomplish several things. First and foremost, it is to publicly violate the sanctions, because as American citizens, we are not allowed to send anything, and I literally mean anything, to Iraq without prior approval from the Department of Treasury. If yep. I want to send a simple bottle of aspirin, I would need prior approval from the Department of Treasury. Yeah, and on your website, on your website, you list, uh, you know, like yes. maybe 20 pages of uh, of things that you can send, even aluminum foil, adhesive paper, ashtrays. Yes, and, bags. and that is not a complete list. Right. That is, that is just that though the list that is provided on the Iraq Action Coalition website of banned items are simply the items that the Security Council itself said that they need to get prior approval of before they, they send them to Iran. You can't send I mean, the soap. list not only includes food and medicine, right. but includes such necessities such as toilet paper and tissue paper and, and soap. toys and, and clothes for children and so on and so forth. Soap also. Yes, exactly. Everything. Very literally, everything. So basically, it's starving people. They are deliberately and knowingly starving the million people of Iraq, yes, very uh, deliberately. And the UN is united in this? Or no, no, no. The sanctions are being led primarily by the United States and Great Britain. And very much so, France, Russia, and China oppose these sanctions. And recently, the Russian parliament, the Russian Duma, right. by a very strong majority, voted to unilaterally lift the sanctions. 
I understand Russia has recalled its ambassador from the U.S. Yes. And they're joining with India and uh, another country and China to form a coalition against uh, the U.S. over this. Yes. As of yet, though, it remains talk, and right. we need it to become action. What is also important to point out is, is the U.S. administration is fond of saying that Iraq is a threat to the region. Now, if Iraq really is a threat to the region, then we would imagine that Iraq's neighbors would be in full support of the sanctions and in full support of the bombing campaigns continually exploited against Iraq. And yet, no single Arab nation supports the sanctions, and not one Arab nation supported the bombing. And on the contrary, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon, all three parliaments, have specifically asked for the lifting of the sanctions against Iraq. So what's the next step now? Well, the, the next step is goodness knows. Um, personally, I expect that there will be renewed bombing against Iraq, probably in mid-January, especially mm. because the U.S. and the Great Britain are continuing to send their armed forces to the region, and they're continuing to build up their military um, build-up in the region, so we should be expecting bombing. At the same time, and very importantly, the people of Iraq will continue to die by the thousands every single month until the sanctions are lifted. So herein comes our position. We live in a democracy. So really, we can, ha we, and we have to, it becomes our responsibility, because we live in a democracy, to let our voice be heard extremely loudly, to let our representatives know that we are ashamed by their stance and to let the media know that we are extremely disgusted that the media considers that the death of the Iraqis is not newsworthy. It is newsworthy. It is our responsibility to know and our responsibility to tell others about what we, as, as American citizens, are allowing our U.S. administration to do in our name, and we should not allow this any further. How many people uh, died in this latest bombing? Well, the numbers range. That we are positive that 68 people have died, but that is an extremely conservative number because the Pentagon itself in mid-November had estimated that approximately 10,000 Iraqis would die from the bombing campaign, 10,000. What is also important to point out is the U.S. military bombed a warehouse that, that stored food under the Food for Oil deal, and they destroyed more than 260,000 tons of rice. In addition, to having um, attacked two hospitals and several schools. Two and hospitals? Museums. Yes, hospitals. Hospitals. And how about, uh, were most of the people who were killed, that of the 68, were they mostly Republican guards? Or? The 68 people that have killed, they were all civilians. All civilians. Oh. The 68, yes. And the Iraqi government recently stated that, that there has been a massive number of casualties, but they haven't stated the number, and they stated that the, that the casualties are 10 to 1, civilian to military. So there's 10 civilian deaths to every military death, according to the Iraqi government. Because the, the final confirmation is yet unknown. The U.S. and the British military are claiming success. I don't know how they would define success. If they define success as they've destroyed weapons facilities, there are no weapons facilities for them to have destroyed. They don't exist. If they define success as they have destroyed the very buildings that the UNSCOM inspectors themselves had set up 24-hour video monitoring, then I right. don't understand their definition of success. They, I mean, they want to destroy the, the guard uh, quarters, I guess, the quarters of the Republican guard. That and why would they want to do that? It seems to me that they're creating a situation in Iraq that would be right for them to send in troops, be they American, British, or other, oh, to overthrow the Iraqi regime. 
And no matter what we may think of the Iraqi regime, it is not the American or the British jurisdiction to determine who will govern other sovereign nations. So you think this is a pretext for an invasion? I, I think it's a build-up for preparing the country for an overthrow of the regime and very likely consequentially leading to a very bloody civil war in Iraq. So uh, we are likely going to see much more bloodshed and much more suffering imposed upon the innocent people of Iraq, people that have been suffering for eight years now, completely mindless, unjustifiable killing of the Iraqi people. Do you think the Clinton's popularity was due to the bombing too? I mean, his rise in popularity? This is what is so unfortunate. Uh, throughout um, you know, the, the, the recent U.S. history, we have been noticing that whenever an American president bombs, or, or does any kind of military aggression, all of a sudden his ratings increase. And right. I don't understand why. Right. I don't understand why it is not our first impulse to reject acts of violence until we are convinced otherwise. It this is, is the fear, contrary. This is fear of terrorism, I guess. But, but see, how do you define terrorism? Right, I mean, it's I mean, all... If you define terrorism as the U.S. legal code defines it, which is coercion of the civilian population in order to get a change in government policy, which is how it is defined in the U.S. legal code, that is exactly what the sanctions are meant to do. And that is exactly what the bombing of Iraq is meant to do. So we see that our own administration, according to our own definition, is guilty of international terrorism. The number here is 949-824-5824. If you have a call, f uh, if you have a question for our guest or a comment, uh, Rania Masri from the Iraq Action Coalition, 949-824-5824. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the management of KCI or the regions of the University of California. Uh, um, Rania, what do you see as, the f as um, people can do then? What can regular people do about this? Well, the very first thing is to stay informed on the situation, to question what the media says. And the second thing is to, to voice your opposition to violence, be it military or economic, to your representatives. Let your representatives know that you oppose their support of the bombing resolution in Congress, that you ask for them to support the delinking of economic sanctions from military sanctions, that you ask them for equal treatment of countries worldwide and not simply treating Iraq one way and treating other countries a completely different way. Furthermore, and this is where it gets extremely critical, we have to let our voices be heard in the mainstream media, writing letters to the editor, writing op-ed columns, meeting right. with the guest editorial staff, and so on and so forth. And the third point is while we are doing all this, let us remember that the Iraqi people are suffering and that they desperately, in the short term, they need our financial assistance. And there are lots of relief associations out there that can send food and medicine and assistance to Iraq. While we are sending them assistance, though, we need to know that no matter how much assistance we send them, unless we can send them as much assistance as Bill Gates has, for example, the money and, and food that we send them will still be very, very little and will still not cover their needs. There's a whole range of things that we have to do. If any of your listeners is interested in going to Iraq, in a delegation to Iraq, or is interested hmm. in inviting a speaker that is more informed and having events in their region, please, they can contact me at my website if they're interested in getting more information about what they can do about this. And the website is uh, leb.net slash IAC. That's yes. the URL. Yes. Uh, does the IAC have to be in caps or not? No. No, no okay. it does not. LEB.net slash IAC, the Iraq Action Coalition. 
Uh, and you're based in New. Uh, where are you based? We're based in North Carolina, but we're okay. primarily an internet-based information network. So really, it's it's anywhere. Right. And there's a lot of resources on that page, so I encourage uh, you to get to that gateway. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. W uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Nice. Uh, so that was uh, Nazri, uh, Rania Maz Mazri from the Iraq Action Coalition. Uh, we're going to uh, take a interlude here and play something by J Jello Biafra uh, while we uh, get ready for our next guest on this show. So now, here's a piece I wrote against the war, and it's not out of date. I don't apologize for it. For all these people in the San Francisco Examiner and on TV who ridiculed people who protested the war, ho, ho, you were wrong. No, killing 100,000 Iraqis for profit is much worse than being wrong. As Richard Nixon used to say during the Vietnam War, now more than ever. You, you look like you're just the ripe age to be drafted. Does that even bother you? Still thinking about that? There was a sign at Jonestown behind Jim Jones's dead body and it said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Which would you rather sacrifice, your hot car or your life? Die for oil, sucker. Born on the firecracker 4th of July, raised on football and MTV, never felt what it's like to have to fight to stay free, Vietnam just a time life book memory. The mask is off again, this time nobody cares, but you can't keep dancing when your legs are blown away. Die for oil, sucker, sucker, sucker. You too can get your face shot off so arms race tycoons won't have to get a real job. The Cold War's over. It was all a mirage. So that was Jello Biafra uh, from a song, uh, actually an uh, item, uh, a lyric uh, called Die for Oil, Sucker, from his uh, album called I Blow Minds for a Living. Uh, with us on the line is another guest today, uh, Hussein Ishbish from the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. Welcome, Hussein. Thank you very Hi, much. I'm delighted to be with you. Yeah, you're the uh, topic of two um, OC Register editorials, favorable editorials, uh, recently. Yeah, uh, OC Register has been superb. It's it's quite remarkable that uh, <laughs> a paper that's undoubtedly uh, on the right uh, has been uh, the most reasonable and open-minded newspaper of its uh, caliber and size in the entire country whereas the so-called liberal press and the so-called uh, open-minded uh, media establishment like the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, and what have you, uh, have failed to see the glaringly obvious criminality that's become clear even, uh, you know, to the Orange County Register. And I'd commend Mr. Stephen Greenhut, the new editorial editor of the Orange County Register, for doing a magnificent job. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, surprising. The register has uh, came out against the Contras. It also has taken a strong stance against three strikes uh, locally. Uh, and so I mean, sometimes it surprises me what the Libertarian Register does. Well, I, uh, think, I think the Register is one of those papers that is few papers in the United States that genuinely independent, run by genuinely intelligent people with a point of view that I don't necessarily share, right. but is always worth reading. And actually, they do reprint the New York Times, <laughs> so that's kind of interesting that they yeah. do reprint that in their pages. Yeah, well, that's a well-used wire service. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, the, the number here is 5824, uh, area code 949. Uh, with us is uh, Hussein um, Ishbish from uh, the... Arab American Anti-Discrimination Committee. Do you, is it true that what the press has been reporting that the Arab world is uh, supporting the bombing? Oh, th that's the biggest lie imaginable. Uh, no Arab country has supported this bombing. No Arab country supported the plans to bomb uh, last month or in February or November of last year. Uh, it's a complete lie. The overwhelming majority of governments have been totally opposed without reservation. There is a block within the Arab world among governments that can be called the anti-Saddam bloc. Uh, these are countries that uh, absolutely hate and despise uh, the ruler of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, right. uh, the dictator. Uh, and that would be the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, uh, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and all the little emirates, plus Egypt, and above all, Syria, Syria being the most vociferously anti-Saddam country in the world by far. Uh, those countries did issue a statement uh, in February and then again last November uh, uh, which uh, said do not bomb even they said do not bomb and uh, they did say that they blamed Saddam Hussein for the crisis and of course they are very anti-Saddam so they took the opportunity to criticize Saddam Hussein again but they did definitely say don't bomb uh, now this time of course uh, the administration moved with uh, lightning speed, to say the least. They scrambled like maniacs to get the bombs off as quickly as possible, less than 12 hours after Richard Butler released his report, which essentially they helped him write. Uh, and uh, that was obviously an attempt to foreclose international consultation, diplomacy, international opinion. For, it was an attempt to stop all those governments, including those eight anti-Saddam Hussein Arab governments, from repeating that, uh, and uh, but uh, you know they went ahead with it. Uh, the point being that uh, the Arab governments mostly have condemned this bombing outright. Some have remained more silent, but even the Egyptians have denounced it. And the reaction in the street mm -hmm. is is outrage. You have seen an uh, an, up, an outpouring of incredible emotion in the Arab world. People are livid. They are furious. Two hundred fifty thousand people demonstrated in Morocco, in Syria, a com very, very, uh, a country that has had the worst relations with Iraq for more than 20 years. The, the, the Syrian public fought with the Syrian police. The Syrian police used tear gas and beat them, where the public went through to the U.S. Embassy, tore down the flag and burned it. You major demonstrations right. yeah. in Palestine, across the West Bank, major demonstrations in Lebanon, uh, real outpouring of loathing and anger, even in the Gulf states. Even in Kuwait, people have been saying this is unjust, unfair, and this is murderous. So, of course, the reaction in the Arab world is not supportive of this bombing. That is the biggest lie you can imagine. And most of the uh, mainstream media hasn't covered that protest, right? No, of course not, because 
President Clinton said, you see, here's how the major media in this country does. They, you know, they, they get a statement like the one which says uh, Saddam Hussein is bad, uh, Saddam Hussein should comply, but don't bomb. And then they say, well, okay, this says don't bomb, but what they really mean and what they say in private is go ahead and bomb, go ahead and bomb. This devoices the Arab world. The Department of State and the Department of Defense authorizes itself to speak on behalf of the Arab peoples and the Arab governments. Uh, Western journalists believe uh, what the uh, Western officials say the Arabs secretly think. And all of this is possible only because of a long racist tradition of casting the Oriental as a duplicitous, cowardly, double-talking individual who you can't believe what he says and who is, doesn't have the courage of his convictions. Without that backdrop, none of this discourse would be possible. And every time that I went on the major media with ma mainstream journalists, they said this, and I corrected them, and they said, well, but in private, they say different. And all I can say to that is, if that isn't racism, I don't know what is, because this is completely to devoice the Arab people and to uh, make uh, the Department of Defense and the New York Times speak for them. Does, uh, do you think that the uh, American people are going to um, you know, put up with more bombing or, or they don't care? I mean, how do you educate the American people? Yeah, the American people, well, the, the, the American people have, it's very interesting. The relationship between the American people and this bombing is actually extremely fascinating. I mean, one of the reasons why the Clinton administration did scramble like that to attack immediately before uh, public opinion could form itself, could consider it and express itself, is that every time public opinion has had a chance to think about this policy, public opinion has not uh, been favorable to it. Uh, essentially what happens is the Clinton administration starts getting asked a lot of questions, both from the left and from the right. Uh, the right wing says, look, if it's true that Saddam Hussein is a crazy maniac who is accumulating weapons of mass destruction uh, in the thousands, and that he is a real threat to the region and his neighbors, which, by the way, his neighbors don't believe for a minute. But uh, if it is really true, everything you say, why don't, w what is this bombing going to achieve? Is it going to destroy those weapons? No. Is it going to get rid of his government? No. Is it going to produce documents? Uh, no. Is it going to help unscum? No. So then what are you doing? Why don't you invade, essentially, is what the right wing says. If he is Hitler like Bush said, worse than Hitler, he said, mm -hmm. or uh, if he is like a demon and a monster, uh, someone who is off the scale, like Clinton says, then uh, why don't they do something serious to get rid of him, comes from the right. From the left comes the question, how can you attack a people who have been massacred like this for years, when it's so obvious that all of this stuff about weapons of mass destruction is, is cooked up, exaggerated rubbish, that the idea that Iraq is a military threat to the region is ridiculous, and the people who should know, that is to say these very small countries bordering Iraq, which were enthusiastic participants in the Gulf War back when they thought Iraq was a threat to them, say very openly Iraq is not a threat. And uh, how can you justify a policy, that is the sanctions, that has killed over one million people in, in an eight-year period of time, that this is genocide and evil and immoral as well as stupid. So you have this complaints from the right and the left, and like any vampiric organism, the Clinton administration policy on Iraq 
shrivels and dies when exposed to the searing light of day. And they cannot stand that, so they hide in the, in the cavern of quick action. And now uh, the American people have been convinced that Saddam Hussein is a very bad guy and they hate him, right. and that something should be done. So if you start bombing and make it a fait accompli, you can be pretty sure people are going to say that that was a good idea. But if you allow them to think about it beforehand, you would get a very different poll result. And I think this has been the only lesson they have learned since the last November, last February, and then last month. Is if you want to do it, don't let it, anyone speak. Don't let the UN speak. Don't let the Russians, the French, the Chinese, the Arabs speak. And don't let the American uh, people speak. You just do it. You know, the, um, the, there's actually, I'm happy to say that among my fellow librarians, uh, there are progressive elements of the library community, and they recently uh, sent a letter to Clinton. Uh, we signed this letter. Uh, the punitive air assault unleashed by the U.S. against the people of Iraq is an appalling breach of international law, human rights, and the peace of nations. As a result of years of embargo and inspection, the Iraqis are utterly defenseless with virtually no offensive capabilities against these attacks. Uh, democratic and prog uh, progressive professionals should make it known that this kind of use of overwhelming destructive force against Iraq, which, publish, which punishes a nation for its mm. leaders' crimes, is nothing but military technological barbarism. That's right. While it might temporarily raise the poll ratings of a beleaguered president awaiting impeachment, it further immiserates the Iraqi people and its children and degrades American democracy in the eyes of the world. We progressive librarians, library workers, and library school students oppose completely the punishment meted out for non-compliance with Clinton's will. We declare our solidarity with the Iraqi civilians and civil society which will suffer the consequences of this cynical exhibition of brute force. And that was also sent to uh, the UN ambassador. I think. No, that's Albright. a fantastic letter. I'd like to pick up uh, there, if I may, on the notion of civil society. Right. But uh, before I do that, let me just say that, uh, you know, uh, I, was, uh, I was on a lot of TV shows on the night of the, when the bombing began. Right. And they kept saying they were going after the Republican guards. And they kept saying they wanted to destroy the Republican guards. And uh, I'm not, I wasn't sure what, what, which ones they meant. I mean, uh, uh, you know, whether it was the Republican guards in the House of Representatives here <laughs> and Henry Hyde <laughs> and point. those Republican right. guards, right. or whether it was, uh, you know, some Iraqi soldiers. I mean, I think uh -huh. that, uh, that they had in mind more, uh, you know, Hyde and Sensenbrenner and uh, yeah. uh, Liv Livingston. Those are the real Republican guards. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, give out an uh, email address. We actually are able now to answer email while we're on the air. Oh, great. So if you want to write to us, at subversity at KUCI.org, S-U-B-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y at KUCI.org. Uh, if you're listening to us on the website, which is KUCI.org, colon 8080, uh, you can write to us also uh, at subversity at KUCI.org. Right. Or, or call us, 949-824-5824. We'll try to answer your comments. Absolutely. Let, let me come back to the issue yeah. of civil society, if I might. Uh, you, you, the most crucial, insightful part of your letter is where you talk about the damage that has been done to Iraqi civil society. And I can say that, to me, it is obvious that between the Gulf War, the bombings, and especially the sanctions, the purpose, the, the reason, the real motivation, and the true effect of U.S. policy towards Iraq in the 1990s has been the systematic destruction of Iraqi civil society. 
the Iraqi educational system has been completely destroyed. Family structure, family life, civic organizations, social interaction are all reduced to, uh, to an unthinkably uh, distorted level. You have at least a million children in Iraq not in school, let alone the thousands that are dying every month. You have a whole generation of Iraqis being raised uh, without education. And this is in contrast to the earlier generations of Iraqis, like the present one, uh, you know, which is not characterized by people like Saddam Hussein, but which is characterized by people who are well-educated, cosmopolitan, sophisticated, worldly, generous, uh, etc. I think you have a generation of Iraqis now being raised under conditions of siege, being raised under conditions of no education, being cut off from the outside world, embittered, emboldened, and I fear for the future of Iraq. Now, more than that, if you want to arrange to keep the current regime in power, there's nothing you could do to help them more than to destroy the civil society of Iraq. Because it is only the civil society of Iraqis inside Iraq that can produce a genuine opposition which can replace the current regime. This fantasy about the United States bombing, arranging for a coup d'etat, is ridiculous. This fantasy about the CIA creating an organization, as it did do in 1991, calling it the Iraqi National Congress, finding some convicted embezzler and crook called Ahmad Shalabi, and putting him in London and giving him hundreds of millions of dollars, and they think that that is going to, to, to cause a change of government in Iraq is a total fantasy. Similarly, these ideas of any kind of, uh, of revolutions and uprisings arranged outside Iraq is false, or the notion that sanctions would bring down the regime, which George Bush and Brent Scowcroft apparently believed when they put the sanctions and the no-fly zones in place back in the early 90s. They say in their memoirs they believed that. It's all false. None of this is going to bring down the government of Saddam Hussein. On the contrary, it's ironically, it's, it, it props up that government. It, it makes people dependent on it. And the threat of partition of Iraq, as, as demonstrated in the no-fly zones, that breaking Iraq into two or three pieces, also would definitely prevent any patriotic Iraqi or Iraqi who loves Iraq from thinking about toying with their government. This is let alone the sanctions which, which reduce people to near starvation. So, you know, if you systematically destroy the civil society of the country, you are destroying the possibility of a genuine opposition, and then you turn around and you give money to some bunch of crooks who have no credibility and taint all opposition as CIA mercenaries. I think that as long as the United States policies are in place, Saddam Hussein is not going to have much trouble staying in power, whereas, uh, you know, if Iraqis were left alone and Iraqi civil society could reconstruct itself and there was some kind of, you know, genuine engagement with Iraq for the rest of the world, I think that Iraqis would come to see very soon that it might be better to have a different figurehead that uh, did not have the same reputation as Saddam Hussein and may uh, interact differently with the population. How do you see the uh, the difference between the sanctions being applied against Iraq to those that were applied against South Africa? You know, there's well, for one thing, you know, the United States ignored the sanctions against South Africa. 
mm-hmm. that systematically violated the sanctions against South Africa. Uh, the Western world, Britain and the United States, uh, hardly embargoed South Africa at all. They opposed it every step of the way. They said South Africa was an important anti, anti-communist government. Right. They opposed all these sanctions. And uh, the sanctions against South Africa were not aimed at the general population. There was not a systematic attempt to starve mm-hmm. the people of South Africa or even the white population of South Africa. There was not a systematic attempt to prevent the South Africans from educating themselves, from importing chalk, from importing chlorine for drinking water. This was not a genocide. What we have seen in Iraq is, is, a, is a true genocide. One million people in seven years killed by somebody else's foreign policy is truly a genocide. I can tell you very well, if, if a million Israelis had died in seven years yeah. because of somebody else's foreign policy, people wouldn't hesitate to talk about a second Holocaust, and they would be right. And I think that the, the sanctions on South Africa, you know, were cultural sanctions, they were uh, trade sanctions, but it was not an embargo. People refused to do business with a government that was so unbelievably crude and racist, so unbelievably vile as South Africa, and that was a good thing. But nobody said South Africa cannot import an aspirin and people in South Africa would have to go have operations without anesthesia, and millions of children, or hundreds of thousands of children, would die uh, deliberately because the simple medicines, cheap medicines that they used to have all the time before, has been deliberately cut off in a deliberate effort to murder them by the thousands. This is not what happened in South Africa. This is not. But this is what has happened in Iraq. Did the Security Council vote that, or what, how, how did the UN get Yeah, involved? well, what happened is the Security Council did vote it, uh, but the Security Council at the time was under very, very, very heavy United States control. This is immediately after the, uh, the fall of the, of the uh, Soviet Union, and uh, I think Phyllis Venice has written a wonderful book about that period of time in the UN called Calling the Shots, which I would highly recommend it. Uh, and I think that uh, what happened is, that uh, the UN set up a, a commission that would, uh, that would monitor the imports and exports to and from Iraq. And everything that comes in and goes out of Iraq has to be passed by that commission. But that commission is not a very international commission. Like UNSCOM, it is made up primarily of Anglo-Saxon persons, people either from the United States or other Anglo-Saxons, like British, British Australians, Canadians, uh, what have you, and these people have systematically prevented the importation of food and medicine into Iraq, even under terms of the oil for food program. And of course, Iraq has not been able to raise any foreign exchange because their oil has been completely embargoed, so they have no money because they have only one uh, commodity, really, other than their dates, which are, you know, they're really sustained by their oil. And they need to sell it, but they cannot sell it. And one of the big targets the United States just hit, supposedly a military target, uh, my foot, was an oil refinery, uh, uh, as well as other civilian infrastructure. And I would note one other thing. President Clinton, this unbelievable liar, the impeached President Clinton, who richly deserves to be put on trial and to be, uh, have the whole thing dragged out as long as possible, not necessarily because of his sexual activities, 
but right. because of his uh, murderous terrorism, uh, I would say uh, is an amazing liar when he goes ahead and says they have exempted food and medicine from the sanctions at the same time when the Office of Foreign Assets Control has just uh, issued hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines fines against a group called Voices in the Wilderness. What's their crime? They took medicine and toys to the children of Iraq for Christmas. And these people were arrested, and they're facing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines. And then Clinton would turn around and dare to say that he does not embargo medicine. This is a grassroots group. That's it's a grassroots group led by Kathy Kelly, a woman in Chicago who should be the next recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize if it was what it meant. Of course, we know the Nobel Peace Prize goes to, instead of people like Kathy Kelly, <laughs> sometimes goes to Henry Kissinger right. and Menachem Begin. <laughs> <laughs> and Ronald Reagan, I think. Yeah, right. The, um, how, d how do people, um, how do you think people should um, deal with this, um, you know, media distortion? I mean, should they write op-ed pieces? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. People should write op-ed pieces, they should write letters to the editor, and they should talk to, talk to other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the, the power of the mass media is one thing. But, uh, you know, all studies of mass communication have emphasized the importance of what is called opinion leaders. And in other words, in every group of 20, 30, 40 people, many people are influenced by those among them who have clear, cogent, coherent positions and who explain them personally. And then it is the mass media which influences the opinion leaders and then the opinion leaders at a more local level, at a, at a more you know, small group level, influence the others around them, and then you get consensus in society. So it is a very useful thing just to talk to all the people you know and to say, what the hell is this? Uh, it is very useful to access uh, through the Internet, through uh, you know, all kinds of uh, local radio and what have you, any kind of mass media you can uh, to get the largest audience possible. But definitely, uh, that that is the way to do it. And there are many organizations in this country which have taken a very strong stance against the sanctions, this genocide, this uh, 20th century genocide, which is taking the 21st century genocide, I should say. How about the which timing? Is taking place before our eyes. There are many organizations. Voices in the Wilderness is one. My organization, the ADC, is one. You know, people could come to our website, www.adc.org. Uh, no problem. There's plenty they can do or uh, write email to us. There's no problem getting involved in this. It, all it takes is three minutes on the Internet or three minutes on the phone. You'll already be useful. How about, uh, in, maybe you could comment on the timing of this uh, oh, right yeah. before religious holidays? I mean, what... Um, well, the timing, yeah. I mean, the timing for Ramadan, the thing about Ramadan is just complete nonsense. I mean, he made it up. There's no prohibition in Islam uh, about fighting during Ramadan. And, of course, people don't like to be attacked during their religious holidays. Right. But this idea that it is, it is somehow worse to murder people during Ramadan than it is a couple of days before Ramadan is just absurd. This has nothing to do with Ramadan or no Ramadan. Uh, he says he is showing respect for Ramadan, but by dragging religion, it, by dragging Islam, by dragging the holy month of fasting, uh, which we are in, and let me say, uh, you know, uh, that uh, I think that this is the ultimate disrespect to Islam, dragging it and, and basically throwing blood all over Ramadan. 
is just outrageous. He has no respect for Islam at all. He is a contemptuous killer of Muslims. And uh, more than that, the real reason, of course, was to bomb right away. And he wanted to bomb right away, as I said, because he didn't want international consultation or diplomacy or public opinion. And he wanted to do it uh, then on Wednesday night immediately. And why? Because he was about to be impeached the next day. And instead of being impeached, the Republicans had to force themselves unwillingly and make themselves uh, uh, pass a resolution supporting Clinton's policy. And Clinton got to pose as the great statesman, and the Republicans were the petty politicians, and he was saving the world from Saddam Hussein. And they didn't, even though a couple of them at first, they raised questions because it's so obvious, but they were told by everyone, all posters and everything, shut up, apologize, go back and take it back, vote for him. Every single Republican in the House voted for that resolution. Only four people voted against it, all of them Democrats, uh, the resolution supporting the bombing. And I can tell you very well, this is this is nothing but totalitarianism. This is a totalitarian state characteristic. He's a dictator. Uh, in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a country with no totalitarian state structures. You know, if this was a parliamentary uh, system, he would have, he could have been voted out of office. You know, for the I mean, the president Nixon could have been voted out for Vietnam War crimes, mm -hmm. or, or or Johnson or somebody. You know, like well, we're not a parliamentary system, so the president just right. does what he wants. Right. Well, my point is this. Once he was, he was deliberately invoking an aspect of American culture which contains all the elements of totalitarianism. In other words, there is such a culture of deference to the military in this society. That's true. And such a culture of deference to military action in this society that when military action is taken, against a highly unpopular enemy of the state like Saddam Hussein, although, of course, he's the only Iraqi who was really safe, but when, when it can be thought of as against Saddam Hussein, it becomes impossible as a, at a practical matter, as a practical matter for any accountable figure in this society, that is to say a pub, an accountable publication or an accountable politician, someone who can be made to pay a price, for them to question this. It, it was bizarre. It was bizarre that, that we had every single thinking person in this country knew for sure that Clinton attacked Iraq on Wednesday night because he was going to be impeached on Thursday morning. <laughs> this is known. This is a fact. It is not a theory. Richard Butler's report is no, is no different. In fact, it's much milder than the other reports before. It was, it was very early. He never issued a report within a week before. It was written with uh, the input of Sandy Berger, the national security advisor, who talked to Butler at least four times right. to make sure the language was strong enough. The president uh, took his decision, according to everybody, before he went to Israel and Gaza, and two days before the report was issued, White House personnel were, were briefing key congressional leaders that the attack was going to go ahead on Wednesday. How about this, this uh, UN uh, Assistant Secretary General who resigned, Dave uh, Halliday? Uh, Dennis Halliday. Dennis Halliday. What was that about? Well, Dennis Halliday was in charge of the oil for food program, and he went to Iraq, and he realized that over a million Iraqis had been killed, and 5,000 to 6,000 Iraqi children were dying every month, and that the society was being uh, sucked dry like the victim of a vampire, and it was just being killed and murdered for no reason, 
and that meanwhile the regime was doing great, and Saddam Hussein was doing great, and all these people were dying around him, and he couldn't take it. This man was the Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, very senior, right. 34 years as a humanitarian in the United Nations. He walked away from a very long and distinguished career. He was very senior, and very few people have paid attention to that. When Scott Ritter, who, who has admitted essentially to spying for Israel, certainly has admitted to working for Mossad, he has admitted to giving the Israeli Mossad classified American information, and he has admitted that he was working hand-in-glove with the Mossad, and it is clear, by the way, that UNSCOM is heavily in bed with the Mossad as well as U.S. military intelligence, and that, Mo and that UNSCOM looks more like a hostile foreign intelligence operation against Iraq than any kind of weapons inspection regime, that Dennis Halliday should be pretty well ignored, while Scott Ritter, who is being investigated by the FBI for spying for Israel and who has very clear political agenda and a very clear anti-Iraqi animus, should receive a hero's welcome, whereas the humanitarian, the man who spent his whole life caring for people, the man who resigned not because he wanted people to be killed, but because he wanted people not to be killed, he should be ignored. It's a testament to how sick the discourse in this country on Iraq has become. Has there been any attacks on uh, people of Arab descent because of the bombing or here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, we've had some reports which we're investigating, uh -huh. but it, it doesn't seem to have been uh, a rash of them this time. What this we've time. had mm -hmm. is a tremendous number of incredibly racist, anti-Arab statements on the part of uh, television and radio personalities, including the only good Arab is a dead Arab. I'm not talking about callers here, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about hosts. Uh, yeah. We've had people uh, saying that, you know, the Iraqis should be wiped off the map and things like that. I mean, uh, we, we have had uh, callers, uh, we've had... Uh, uh, journalists who have said that, well, the Muslims, all the Muslims hate Christians and Jews and all kinds of... We have seen an outpouring of racism, and certainly, uh, you know, that the bombs that were dropped on Iraq were, were uh, covered in, in, in racist slogans like, die, you maggots, really? oh, this is going to hurt, the cruise missile hold on to your butt. Yeah. Here's a Ramadan present from Chad Rickenberg, whoever he is, he's going to live in infamy. Hmm. And finally, to Saddam, Mary Xmas. Right. Now, the Pentagon has said that, uh, that uh, they distance themselves from the religious intolerance. They haven't said anything about the anti-Arab racism in calling Iraqis maggots. Uh, they haven't uh, said any, that they have any plan to investigate the incidents or discipline anybody. And uh, I think what this points out is that there's a shocking uh, culture of racism that pervades the military. And I think it's very hard to separate uh, this, kind of ex this kind of expression, this kind of racist sentiment that underlines the actions of the ordinary troops who, after all, are just doing what they're ordered to do, and those who actually take the decisions. It's very clear that the lives of these Iraqis are meaningless. President Clinton was willing to engage in the killing of hundreds and possibly thousands of innocent Iraqis to buy 
a couple more days in office, and I don't think that anyone seriously doubts that. I think the people who guess, doubt yeah. that are either uh, in denial, psychological denial, in a, a kind of neurotic sense, uh, you know, or they or they're so gullible they probably believe in the tooth fairy. Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and 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 Madeleine Albright, we when she was asked about the death of 500,000 Iraqi children, she said, "Oh, it's worth it." Right, right, I remember oh, that. it's worth it. On Leslie Starr's show. Yeah, we have to actually cut off because we're over time and there's another All show. Right. There's another show coming up. Uh, your website is www. Is, uh, what is www.adc.org. Okay, great. www.adc.org. Okay, thank you, Hussein. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, this is Dan Zhang signing off for, uh, for Subversity here. Come again next week and listen to us. Uh, coming up, uh, Raising... Bringing up kids. Bringing up kids. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.